today, October 12th, is the 20th anniversary of me leaving my job. Wow. And I wanted to talk about that today. <laughs> well, my, the last job before uh, before I hung out my shingle. My last proper job, um, which was at Synergetic Microsystems, where I was a marketing manager, and we worked. I worked there for four years, and uh, they hired me. I think the number one reason they hired me was one of the guys asked me, let's say that we didn't have money for travel and to put you on airplanes and send you to Cleveland, Detroit, what would you do? And I said, then I'll sell on the phone and with emails. And they liked that answer uh, because they didn't have any money for doing that kind of stuff. And they were this tiny little company and uh, they they were they were really a software uh, and hardware job shop which meant they just they just did contract work for other companies designing stuff and so which is kind of a hand-to-mouth existence and they wanted to launch a product line which they were doing through a german partner who was making the product and uh, i became the marketing manager and so we grew that company and um, and we we raised two million dollars of angel money, and we developed a chip, uh, and the chip was potentially a, a, a way to revolutionize the industry. And a public company bought us for eighteen million dollars, and so um, we were in the final stages of getting bought out. And uh, and they at, they had this deadline when I had to tell them um, whether I was going to accept their job offer or not. And it was a month after 9/11, and everything it was kind of like COVID, like everything was just in this weird time warpy. Nobody's buying anything. No orders are coming in. Everything seems to have just sort of stopped. And, and it just seemed like the sensible, safe thing to do was to take the job. And Laura, sitting back there, said, no, uh, this is your chance to leave and hang out your shingle. And you've been waiting for the opportunity to do this, and this is it, Perry. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I reached out to other people and I got a bunch of other opinions. And one guy said to me, he goes, oh, I've been through this three times. He goes, your old company no longer exists. You think it does, but it does not. And I have, I've built and sold three companies. And every time I stuck around to try to help them, with the transition and I always end up getting fired and they, are, they aren't going to understand what you, you know, what they're getting and what you created. And he goes, just consider it like a divorce. Uh, you don't, you're not worried about what she's doing or who she's seeing or anything like that. You're in a new life. You just say goodbye to the old and, Oh, okay. So I said, so I came to work. And I said, 
I'm not going to accept the new job. And they said, oh, well, then you're going to clean out your desk and you're going to leave right now. Um, and then one of my bosses stood in my cubicle and watched me clean out my desk to make sure that I wasn't going to steal anything, which I found very insulting. Um, and I walked out the door with a box of stuff under my arm and I got in my 1994 Geo Prism, which had a $100 a month car payment because I bought it for $3,000 on car payments. And, and I drove out of the parking lot. Now, when, um, when I was in Amway, which was previous to that, we always had this fantasy about leaving your job and it was like they would even like they would even make it into a big party and like all of your other amway distributor friends would come and they would be in the parking lot and they would be clapping and cheering and it would be this you know thing that you planned for months and months and in my case it was just sort of sprung on me because i didn't i had no idea when i went into work that morning it was going to be my last day of work and so i i just clearly remember unceremoniously driving my car out of the parking lot of the company parking lot like wow that okay, I like I, I looked in my rear view mirror so this is what it looks like when your job is in your <laughs> rear view mirror for the last time and and I and I went home and um, and then I got a little flurry of phone calls and I know I made some phone calls too but but really I just kind of let people know like so I'm not working here anymore because I knew all these people in the industry as a result of having reps and distributors and other vendors in the industry and going to trade shows and all this kind of stuff I knew all of these people and when the, they've all known you as Perry the marketing manager at Synergetic you kind of got to let them know well now I'm not the marketing manager, and 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 uh, and I got like three or four, not exactly job offers, but why don't you come and interview? And I said, well, how about how about we talk about a like a, a 1099 situation, like a freelancer situation? How about like how about we just like do a project on a contract basis? And several people said, well, yeah, actually, that sounds like a, a pretty good idea. And so within a few weeks, I had replaced my income. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I don't have a job anymore. And I am, I am making a living. I am, I, am, I am holding body and soul together. And of course, I had, well, let's see, 2001, I had... Um, I had three kids and two of them are in diapers. Kyler's in Kyler's 1998. So Kyler's like three. And, um, and so, and so here we go. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to share some thoughts about that is, um, first of all, um, you know, I had been just chafing about like being changed to the confines of a job for a really long time. 
like, I, I actually liked that job that I had other than the last year I was battling with a insane guy that I call Nick in all the newsletters. Uh, aside from Nick, I really liked that job. Um, but nevertheless, it was like, I just felt confined. And, and so now all of a sudden, okay, yeah, like, if you want to go walk around the block, or if you want to go have lunch with somebody, or if you want, like, whatever you want to do, as long as you're paying your bills, like, you can do it. And so that was a huge relief. But in retrospect, um, I, what, what really comes to mind is that within a couple of years, I couldn't help but start wanting to work on much bigger problems than my immediate income and comforts and stuff like that. Um, I mean, really within about, well, yeah, within about three years, I was doing what today is evolution 2.0. Like I, I started like working on these things. And about a month and a half ago, we had the influential writing retreat, which um, I mean, I kind of uh, in my imagination, that was going to be like a one off event because we really never do anything twice around here. We, every, it's, it's always something new. Um, and certainly we'll never do anything exactly identical to that, but it was also super clear of what just happened there. Everybody in the room, um, was doing what they do, not for the money per se, but because it needs to be done. Um, like it's, it's too important not to do right. Like if I said, Oh, Tom, you know, that contemporary school of piano, you're just doing it for the money. Tom would go the hell I am. Right. He's like, no, like there is a whole other way that music education needs to be done. And we, we've started with the most receptive people and maybe the most teachable people and the most accessible people, which tend to be older, successful career folks who, um, you know, want to bring more music into their life. But we're so effective with them, we think that eventually we can like change music education and get it off of this Suzuki thing, that, you know, of like, methodically polishing your chops and actually just letting music flow like Tom can explain it much better than I can but like this is more like a cause than it is just a career right and and so that is um that is something that I consistently see over and over again with like you have to get to where you're eating and you're breathing good oxygen and you know certain things are in place before you can really get to that point. But very consistently, once people reach, okay, everybody's getting fed, the rent's paid, the car is paid for, the petrol's paid for, 
we're, you know, we can go on some vacations immediately. It's like your whole expectation resets to, okay, so now I want to do something really significant. And I just see that over and over. And it's not that everybody has to do that. And it's not like, you know, you're on the right, wrong track if that is not exactly where you're at. But I just, I just see that a lot, right? Or like with, with Nancy, it's nice to run a, you know, nice to run a recruiting agency, but isn't, isn't it more like, you know, if, if we, if we could actually get the world doing a really good job of matching need to talent and getting the right people, we could fix a whole bunch of problems in the world. And a whole lot of people could be a whole lot happier about waking up in the morning. Right. And life on planet Earth could be a whole lot more pleasant for, I don't know, 10,000 people, a million people, 100 million, like pick pick the number, right? <clears throat> and so, and so I just think that um, the most, the most influential and productive people that I observe are very often driven by there's something in the world that pisses you off and you need to do something about it. And if you don't do something about it, <laughs> Julie is probably exhibit A of exactly what I'm, because we, we've talked over and over and over again about this. I mean, Julie's told you. <laughs> yes, well, right. It's like, well, actually, Julie is exhibiting. Okay. She can, uh, she can get people to financial independence if, if they give her 10 or 20 or 25 years of sticking with her plan. She, you know, like even if they just have a regular uh, punch the clock job, she can get them there. But because of that, she's seen into the belly of the beast and she knows how the financial system works and she knows how the tax system works and she knows how jacked up it all is. And it's just like Nancy, it's like, well, you know, if we could fix this and this and this and this and this, a whole bunch of people in the world would have a whole lot less problems, right? And like, is anybody in charge here, right? Is any is there any adult supervision, or is this just like is this just chaos on on uh, on a jalopy careening down the road somewhere, right? And so um, I just think that is a that is a particularly planet way of being in the world. And I, I keep seeing it more and more clearly. And um, at the Rosetta Stone seminar three years ago, and then we had that British version a little less than two years ago, I said, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to become the benevolent dictator. And 
do some actual good in the world with, you know, the influence that you have. And then uh, where that thinking has evolved since then is that uh, I think there's an even a, a, there's a stage beyond that where you become the elder statesman and create a movement, which is not the same as just building the moat around your castle and running your benevolent dictatorship. And, uh, and, and so um, the world is very much in need of that. In fact, there's a huge vacuum for it. And most people, they don't have enough maneuverability. They don't have enough breathing room to really even be thinking about that because they're just trying to survive. And they're, you know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're somewhere in the middle and they're just, you know, trying to keep body and soul together. And uh, one of, I was telling Nancy last night, um, there's, there's, a, there's an adjustment in my own thinking um, that, that, that's been happening. Um, so about, I don't know, 15 years ago, I took a, uh, a test like one of these, one of these tests that you take. And one of, one of my colleagues um, said, oh, you, you need to take this and then I'll go through it with you. And so I took it, it was called the values profile and Mitch, Mitch Axelrod was the guy. And he looked at my results and we got on the phone and, and talked about it. And he goes, so Perry, the biggest, the, the, the dominant conversation inside your head is, I need to, I have to, I must. It's like you're driven by things that you think you have to do. And I, I remember coming upstairs and telling that to Laura and she goes, how did he figure that out that fast, that easy? Um, and and uh, what he was trying to communicate to me was that is not the most healthy place from which to do your work um, uh, because you flagellate yourself and you make yourself do stuff. And, um, and so in the last two years, I've um, become very involved in this cancer and evolution project and a, um, a a nonprofit organization that is funding science that won't get funded otherwise. And it's, it's been very clear to me that the, the approach to take with that is not, this is like, I have to, I need to, I must burden on your shoulders, like, you know, carry this cross kind of thing that is not the way to go about it. The way to go about it is I get to do this. I have the privilege of doing this. This problem was here long before I showed up. It's not my fault that it's this way. It's not my job to fix this, but I get to engineer new ways of doing things and meet all of these interesting people. And like, I get you. Um, and that is really 
the definition of Renaissance time. Work ethic is the stuff that you need to do, have to do, ought to do. Renaissance time is the stuff you get to do. It's unpredictably productive. It means it like this does not have to be productive on this certain timeline. You get to dance with it and let it happen the way that it wants to happen. Uh, I, I just want to like plant that seed and, uh, and and hope that it grows because I, what I'm seeing with um, the different people uh, that that we've been working with for the last some of them 20 years is you know 10 years ago 15 years ago it was all of the people you know they 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 started the business on their kitchen table and they got it going and you know and they're they're you know the internet traffic jockey or whatever it is that you know makes things go and now they're starting to have opportunities to basically run the world. 